0: Jesus. Amen. Well, um oh, you guys fill up that row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus and the Jaggers. Um before I call the kids up. Um, I wanted to say this publicly. Jackie, um, I was praying that God would give me some encouragement for you. And um, I thought I might come over and pray for you. I, I didn't get anything until a moment ago. And what I got is that Jesus is going to show that you're his bride. And that's why I felt to say it to you publicly, because he's going to make a demonstration of this. Um, Jesus talks about not being ashamed of those who belong to him. And uh, if you're ashamed, you're kind of like, ah, I don't want to claim my uncle Harry over here or whatever. But on the other end of that, you're like, that's my daughter, you know, that's my girl and i i really felt jesus christ is going to powerfully prove that you're his bride all right kids why don't you come on down and gather over here surprise surprise you're carrying a ball yes Come, Zoe. Well, how are you guys doing? Good, 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 good. What I wanted to say to you, did you know that God thinks names are really important? Yeah, he thinks names are really important. Does anybody have an idea or a thought that comes to mind about why God might think names are important? Zion said, because they mean something. All right. And if your name doesn't necessarily mean something, you might be named after someone. And she said, even someone in the Bible. Anybody else have any other ideas about why God... Might think names, yes. Such a good point. Very good, Eliza. You know, what you just said reminds me of what God spoke to the prophet Isaiah. Now, he spoke to the prophet Isaiah. He spoke to Isaiah a lot of crazy things. Now, I'm going to tell you guys a secret, but it's not really that much of a secret because it's been in the Bible, which is the most public and popular book of all time. <laughs> I love it. He said, I think it used to be the line, the witch, in the wardrobe, and then the Bible took first place. Dude, that is so good. Um, in the book of Isaiah, and I, I wanted to tell you a little extra bit about Isaiah. Isaiah really loved the Lord, and so did his wife. They both really heard God's words. They both heard Him, call them by name. And sometimes when we have a close relationship with God, he calls us to do some things that might seem a little bit crazy. Now, don't ever do this unless you first check with your parents, okay? But God called Isaiah to walk around town with no clothes on. Yeah, you ever had one of those dreams when you're at school and all of a sudden you realize you're not wearing something? Yeah, I have too. Well, God called Isaiah to do that, and Isaiah was so close with God that he. Tr- I would have to trust God a lot to do that. I would have to have a really close relationship with him and make sure that I heard from him. Oh, ho, 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 Phineas the Fierce. Well, God said to Isaiah, he said, I have called you by name. God was saying that to Isaiah, but Isaiah was a messenger. He was saying that to us. So God's saying, I have called you by name. Your name has a meaning to God and he has called you specifically by name Now you might not have heard it clearly yet you might not feel it in your heart or in your body yet but he has called you by name you know what tell us the meaning laughter, laughter. that's awesome dude You're doing it right now. (laughs) Well, last thing, does anybody know what Jesus's name means? God with us. You know, one of the names, again, that Isaiah said that Jesus, that describes Jesus is Emmanuel, which is God with us. So that's very good but the name Jesus, or in Hebrew, they would say Yeshua or Yeshua. Do you know what Yeshua means? I'll tell you, and that's the way we're going to end. It means Yahweh saves. So Jesus's whole life, his name and his whole life was a message That Yahweh, the one true God, saves or delivers. So, whatever problem we run into, and you know what the biggest problem we have is? Such a good one. That's, what's that? Sin and Satan are our biggest problems. Okay? And not just the sin that we mess up and do, but our struggle with doing what's right on the inside. We need God to save us from the wrong that's within us. So it's a good thing that God gave us Jesus, whose name means I deliver. God delivered a message to us saying, I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you. Okay. Let's break it down on... Yeshua. Okay. We're going to keep it Phineas friendly volume because <laughs> we love Phineas. All right. Yeshua on three. One, two, three. Yeshua. All right. Thanks, kids. All right, I'm going to see if Karis has any announcements. You have something, babe? Ooh, Caroline's FaceTiming. What up, Hart? <laughs> it's good to have you with us, Caroline. We love you. fall retreat October 21st um, guys in four weeks October 21st instead of us having the evening meeting here we're gonna have a morning till pretty much all day like 10 a.m and then we'll end with a bonfire and like potluck stuff out on adventure serve okay it's our fall retreat we still don't know exactly what we'll do. We're just going to gather out there with God, um, and God blessed us last year when we did that, so he'll do it again. Anything else? Okay. Nicholas, by the way, appreciate your servant heart in that way, man. It speaks. John Edward is going to speak the word of the Lord. With no further ado, let the sun of the peach state come forth and bear fruit in our midst. He's going to get his water. It's the world famous ice mountain water. Perfect fuel for playing racquetball against Joey. Losing
1: in racquetball against Joey. For learning racquetball from Joey. For the record. Is it locked, Tim? The little thingy. Oh, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Well, what's up, everybody? I'm John Edward. That's my wife, daughter, and twin sister there in the green. <laughs> you yeah, have just the green people back there. Um This will be the first time Zoe's ever heard me outside of mama preach, so that's pretty cool. Um Anyways, really quick, um, I'm not going to do this for too long, but I want to share a story about when I was in college um, on a mission trip, and it it has plenty of applications literally into, like, this exact day on the calendar. Um, So I was a part of a campus ministry. Um, This would have been in March of 2019, And we went on like an um, evangelistic trip to the University of Memphis, um, which Memphis was pretty cool, but the university was okay. Anyways, loved the trip, loved the people we met, um, really cool moments. But the the very last person that um, I shared with me and a friend named Chase Boatwright, and he and I are exact, complete opposites. I mean, he is, like, like I'm, like, let's play basketball and, like, wearing all Nike everything, and he's, like, sort of, like, the nerdy, like, music vibes, like, was the uh, choir director in a small Methodist church, and, like, why we would get paired together to do evangelism was kind of funny, but it, it worked. Um, and he's, like, super against the gifts of the Spirit, and that's, like, not my take on it, so... Um, anyways, so everyone was kind of done and they were waiting on us. And I was like, Chase, we can't stop, dude. We can't stop. Let's, let's get one more. And so we walk up to this guy wearing all black and a, a spiky, like dog collar thing. And I was like, that's the last one for sure. And I just walked up to him and was like, Hey man, what's your name? And his name is Sean. And, um, and I was like, well, I just wanted to tell you that Jesus loves you. Has anyone ever told you that before? And he was like, oh, that you don't want to talk to me about that. And I said, well, it sounds like I want to talk to you about it. Um, and he was like, oh, not after... You hadn't heard all the stuff that I'm about. Like, and I was like, dude, I've literally heard it all. Like, everything and anything. So bring it on. Shoot it straight with me. Let's hear it. And he's like, well, I'm a part of a Satanist cult. Um, and just starts, like, unpacking it. And I was like... Let me amend my first statement. Now I have heard it all. <laughs> um, and he was like, oh, yeah, dude, like I'm like like climbing the ranks and like a Satanist cult in the area, and like I've been a part of multiple like animal sacrifices and a lot of other things that come with that realm um, that is just not fruitful to unpack. So anyways, I mean, he's literally just telling me all this stuff and like, um, like the Satanist Bible and everything. And um, anyway, so at the end, me, I'm just grilling him with love. I just don't have, I mean, what do you say? Like, And I mean, Sean was even saying things like, and guys, this is the thing that in a Satanist cult, you guys, or in Georgia, y'all, I'm not going to say you all ever again in my life unless I'm joking. So y'all, this is what, I mean, this is what they think about And he said this, he was like, we know Jesus is real. Like in our thing, we know that Jesus is it. And we know he's got way more power than we do. And, and and all that we do, we just pray against the church all the time. In, in all of our weekly gatherings, we just pray against the church all the time. And um, you know, that like putting curses and um all this stuff on pastors like to, to fail in immoral ways and all and he's he's like we do this is like what we do because we're so scared of him. And like I know that Jesus is coming back and I'm not going to paradise when he comes back. I mean, he, he's the one saying all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, you can. And then so Chase gets this awesome, where I was like, Chase, just, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Just say it. Um, and he was like, you know, he just quoted John 4 and he's like, I mean, he just wants to give you the living. Way. I mean, you can't even hear him speak up. And and the guy just starts weeping, crying. And he's like, this conversation is the very first time in my whole life I've ever felt loved by anyone. And, um, and and we prayed for him at the end, and he didn't decide to receive Christ then, but that was just a really big moment for me, and I think about that guy and that story a lot. But anyways, I learned in at least in that time, but probably in that conversation, that in the like annual pagan calendar um, that the fall equinox or the first day of fall, you know, the the sundown to sundown when it transitions from summer to fall, which is now, today, is like that is their Christmas in the pagan witchcraft calendar. Um, And Anyways, so I I just wanted to say all of this, I guess maybe that backstory from Sean, just as an encouragement and, you know, just testifying of Jesus loving on a guy that literally bows down to Satan and just, like, breaking him right there in the University of Memphis campus. But that if there's been some, like, just unusual spiritual bout in your personal life, in the last week or so, particularly in the last two or three days, not all of it, but a lot of it is coming from that. Um, and and I, I'm just telling you guys, like the last couple of days, like the people that are doing the witchcraft stuff and the paganist and Satanist and all of that, it's super duper ultra real, and they've been doing it like crazy the last two days or so. And so... What's our response to people that curse us? Jesus actually talked about that. There's some things that it's like, that would have been really great if he would have just gave a one-liner about this topic or this situation. But he did give a sentence in what to do when you get cursed by somebody is that you bless them. And so that's just been my prayer the last few days, which have been really difficult for me inwardly, not necessarily situationally but inwardly have been really difficult and that the Lord has just reminded me to bless them. And, um, and I'm telling you, that this isn't just like this one guy in Memphis and this one group in California. This is like what they're doing in Jessamine County. They're doing it in the woods in this county. Um, so just remember that um, and pray about it. You know, we don't just like, oh, that's cool information, you know, Oh, that's a really nice sword. Let me go put that in the closet. No, let's use it. Let's use the sword of the Spirit. Um, and speaking of weapons, I felt like um, that the Lord really wanted tonight to be a distribution of one specific piece of the whole armor of God. We've got to put on the whole armor. We can't leave any piece out. But tonight is just about one piece, and it's it where... You know, in Ephesians, it says um, the helmet of salvation. But Paul writes about that in another place in 1 Thessalonians 5, calling it the helmet of the hope of salvation. Um, So not just like salvation, like guarding our mind, but the hope of salvation, the firm expectation that we're going to be delivered, for that to be our mindset. That is what I'm going to speak on the rest of the evening, hopefully for not that long. But if you know me, psh, might be a little bit. Um, anyways, so... Okay. Oh, no worries, no worries. Um, the... I am probably going to flip around a lot and just machine gun, rapid fire thoughts and scriptures a lot, and you don't have to follow it. If one of the stray bullets hits you, that's so awesome. And if one whizzes by you, cool beans. Um, And I I never know. Like Whenever I speak, I'm up here just like, I forget what even happens. These people come and be like, man, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I don't really remember. Just so cute. Um, what a beautiful family. The jaggers are just incredible. Um, and we're really happy that they're here tonight. Okay, but where where I'm gonna kind of dig verse by verse, that's probably if you wanted to read it in the word, that's probably where you want to hang out is in Philippians chapter one. I love Philippians. Funny, the inception of the whole Philippian church and Paul's ministry in Philippi was after confronting witchcraft. If you want to check that out in Acts chapter 16, um, that's just interesting. And the Philippian church, Paul doesn't correct them on anything. That would probably not be the same if I was given a letter, I would probably have some correction but the Philippians didn't. So Paul wrote, and and this is a big point, this isn't just like me filling in the space while people are turning there. This is like the whole reason I'm even like in this place in life and in study of the Bible is that Paul wrote Philippians while he was in prison. And, And he wrote four books when he was, or at least four when he was in prison. Ephesians Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And I probably said that wrong. He wrote Philemon Yon when he was in prison. Um, but anyways, so... And, and I've just been thinking about just this idea. I've been stuck on it. Is that, guys, do we hear much about the church in Ephesus anymore? They're not there. Do we hear about the church of Philippi anymore? No. And even these other places like Paul's extremely fruitful ministry, we don't really hear about what's going on in those places anymore. But we hear a lot about what's coming from these letters. And that while it may have looked on the outside, well, Paul's done. He's locked up now. In fact, the most fruitful and long-lasting parts of his ministry were the letters he wrote from prison. And Chris, this is for you. You've, you've been in a like prison phase. And and Joey, Joseph, in your your Joseph jail time. But but you've been you've been writing some letters in prison that people need. And they're gonna last a while, a while longer than you. And so there's so many examples of people that went into either jail or the wilderness. I mean, this is literally the recurring theme of the Bible. Like, even Jesus Himself did it. Um, I mean, just briefly, like David running away from Saul, Elijah in the cave, uh, Joseph, and Daniel, and Paul. I mean, and, and even Peter going back to fishing. I mean, this is like... And then Israel in the wilderness. I mean, this is like just what happens is God starts something and then the people get beat up for it. And if anyone else in here feels like that, it appears we're on a pretty biblical path of God doing something and us getting a little beat up for it. Congratulations, we're in something biblical. So... That's very good. Um, let me see. Okay. Sorry about Philippians 1. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 10. You don't have to go there. I'll read it quick. About all of those Old Testament stories that I gave that kind of typify you know, what we'll talk about tonight. Now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all of these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. And about us it says, upon whom the ends of the ages has come. And that's us. That's dwelling ministries. That's you individually, upon whom the end of the ages has come. Jesus, the beginning and end. And... So we've got a lot of examples, particularly in the Old Testament, usually of what not to do in the wilderness. Elijah went because he was scared. So did David. And that Israel took 40 years to go 11 days. Yikes. And that it gives some reasons there why they did. And I think that we, we all personally need to explore that. You know, even Jesus says, about unforgiveness. And I'm telling you, the people, and I, this isn't barking out orders, this is about us in here that a lot of us have an unforgiveness problem. Unforgiveness of ourselves, Christians, other Christians who have hurt us, probably a lot of the first of those two, but then plenty of other things. And that Jesus says that when a person is in unforgiveness, he said they're given over to the tormentors and they don't get out until they've paid every penny. And so, you know, like First Peter chapter 4 says, which we'll probably read later, that it says, you know, if you suffer as a Christian, blessed are you because of that, but don't let your suffering be like the ungodly because there's a legitimate suffering in ungodliness. I've been there. I remember it. I'm remembering it less and less as the years go by, but I do remember it. But that the Scripture says pretty plainly that there's a lot of punishment and unforgiveness and we can't live in that anymore. How will we ever be in unity if we never have forgiven? Anyways, Philippians 1. Paul writing about his time in prison. I'm just going to read the very beginning of verse 19 of chapter 1. Referring to his time in prison, he says, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Let's just stop there. That Paul recognized my time in prison is actually working for my deliverance. Being in these trials outwardly is working to set me free inwardly. And that so for dwelling as the ministry that has been in that like dark night of the soul time, and many of us that have walked through what we've walked through, this is the helmet of the hope of salvation that we must put on is that I am here for my deliverance. This is not punishment, and sure, it's training. Yeah, some but I'm telling you, it's for our deliverance and that Jesus would rather convince each of us individually of His perfect love for us than us scramble through a stressed out Christian life seeing how many people we could convince to agree with us and calling it evangelism. He he doesn't want to do that. He would rather convince us all of Him perfectly loving us. That's been difficult for me to unlearn but you right there you in the middle of your internal battle the worst prisons are the internal prisons because you can get out of a jail cell but you can't get out of the one that's inside of you and that's the one that most of us have been in but that this is turning out for our deliverance remember that fight with that promise in your thought life I have been put into these situations into this crockpot for my full internal deliverance. And we'll get into some of those specifics as we go on. Back to verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so guys, we've got... Excuse me. There's a part in us praying for one another that works for the deliverance. And so, you know, Galatians 5:1, it's for freedom that Christ set us free, so don't you pick up a yoke of bondage again. But at the same time, the Lord is like, one way I'm getting I'm going to get you guys through this prison into the delivered life is through you guys praying for each other. And so expect, that's hope, to earnestly expect, expect the Holy Spirit to start fanning that flame of intercessory prayer for you and not just praying for our international brothers and sisters, different causes in the earth, our nation, our area, but that He's going to start giving you specific people to pray for. And it doesn't have to be a ritual that, oh, I'm going to pray for these three people every morning right when I wake up. It doesn't have to be like that. But that Paul realized this is just how Jesus is going to get me through it for the full deliverance is that it's going to be through other Christians praying for me. And so we all have a part to play in each other's deliverance. Thank goodness it's not just up to us. We all have a part to play in it being for each other. And that way not one of us will get the credit. And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. What does John the Baptist say about God giving the Holy Spirit? He says that that God doesn't give the Holy Spirit by measure. Continuous, unstoppable waterfall. But God is slowly increasing our capacity to receive more and more. And guys... Our prison days have been working to clean out the house for us to not be, uh, you know, a little baby bottle. Shout out to Zoe. Size, because I mean, a a full baby bottle's full, you know, but but a five-gallon bucket has a lot greater capacity to be full, and that's what he's doing for us. That we've just had a baby bottle size that he said crave the pure milk of God's Word that's only a three-ounce bottle eight times a day. You know? But that that he's like, it's not that I'm only giving you that much. I just know that's all you can take right now. I'm not going to put new wine in an old wineskin. The wineskin will burst. And I don't want you to explode yet, but I've got to, you know, up it a little bit and up it a little bit and one way that he gets more room is through our internal, like with no one else around, processes in us that we don't even know how to articulate of just fight or flight living, subtly pursuing the American dream, viewing godliness as a means of gain. All, and again, like it's not conscious. It's like this is just who we've been as humans, but that we've we've been walking through the prison for our deliverance from this. And it's increasing our capacity to take in the infinite measure of the supply of the Spirit. To verse 20, that this is all according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death. And that Paul knew that even in the prison era, in being made fun of, if you're a part of dwelling ministries, you've been made fun of. And (laughs) yeah, it's just true. I've heard it with my own ears. Um, But many other things, and I'm not even just talking about the world. I'm just talking about Jesus praying, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing type situations that people just saying stuff they don't understand. But that Paul is like, in all of this, I know I won't be ashamed. And that's pretty intense confidence, to be in jail, like literally chained in a basement, having someone else write the letter down for you, saying, I'm not going to be ashamed by this. And there's just a lot to be said about that. That's quite the the faith that Tim talked about last weekend. That's quite faith right there. And yeah, I think that's a good place. Verse 21, if I ever get a tattoo, it's probably going to be this, but I'm not, so I'm not. But Philippians one twenty one, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And for all of us, ultimately what the Lord is bringing us to is death. We've been on death row. And certainly, foundationally, the death to sin, like overtly doing sinful stuff, saying sinful stuff, but it goes all the way down into what Paul said later, I think later in his life, maybe I don't know, but that he said, "I die every day." This isn't about the the one day in the future I'll have my head cut off. This is about every single day, Paul dying to Paul, and 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 let let this story kind of encourage you and just refresh you that as Jesus talked about Lazarus in John eleven, you know that you know that they were like you know you know, teacher, come. You know, Lazarus is sick. And that Jesus says, well, this sickness is not unto death. But then what happened? He died. Like, Jesus said this sickness is not unto death and then Lazarus literally died. Like, that don't make no sense. What are you talking about? You said it wasn't unto death and he died. But that we don't get the resurrection without death first. Even with Jesus... That in order to really inwardly, really daily have the benefits of the resurrection, death had to happen first. And so that's why this mindset of to die is gain. And yes, yes, Paul in this verse means physical death. He means literally like the day that our natural lifetime concludes and we go to Jesus. Surely today we'll be with Him in paradise. But it also is talking about that every day, I, Lord, I give up the American dream. Lord, I give up self-righteousness. And Lord, I give up leaning into any other fake form of fulfillment when You're really all I've got because that's what's really killing a lot of us. The parable of the seed and the sower, that there there was the, the fruit that was growing pretty steadily, but it was suppressed and it wasn't as fruitful as it could have been because of three reasons. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, not necessarily riches, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. My desire to... Every Saturday, binge college football for twelve hours. Just the desire for something else, and that stings. And that again, that it's in the parable of the seed and sower. That plant was fruitful. It just wasn't all that it could have been. Wouldn't that be so sad to realize that? I'm sure in paradise, you know, we'll just be so eclipsed by Jesus. We won't be able to feel regret. I don't know, but that there's so much more and, and that dying to nothing is, uh, but, but the world says is everything. Our fake forms of comfort and the little ways that we secretly push our name and our resume to other people and to God. You know, the number one uh, person I've fronted, because I've, I've done a lot of pretending and self-righteousness in my life and the number one person I've done that for really is myself. But it's been it trying to just persuade God that I'm really this anointed, powerful guy. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's really the number one issue I think most of us have, most of the people I know have, is they're trying to convince God there's something that they're not. They're pretending. They're actors. But to die to all of this, my family, my brethren... It's so much better. And I don't know how to die to it. I don't, I don't have that bullet point list. But I know that dying to these things is giving us something that uh, the world could never give. And I just love the mysterious wording here that says, to live is Christ. Life equals sign Jesus. And, and, and that's another reason we've been here is for Christianity to not just be the most important thing we have, but really to be what we have. Um, Not just... Yeah, it's for Him to be our only. Well, you're only what? My, my, My only. It. He's it for me. Who else do we go to? You're the only one with the words of life. Verse 22, but if I live on in the flesh... Keeping on. This will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I'm hard pressed between the two. Having the desire to depart, he means depart physically, to die, to go to paradise. That sounds really great. To depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of the faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. And so, for us, this isn't the, I don't know, prophetic word of encouragement, or timeliness to say, tonight is the night the prison ends? I personally don't think so. And that would be really great. Just like this says, Like let's get it over with. That'll be far better. Please. But I don't think so. Because it, it gives a few reasons why it's not. What does it say? Fruit from my labor. And for others' progress and joy of the faith. And you people in here, and we talked about this, Gabe, and everybody in here, there is fruit from our labor. 1 Corinthians 15.58 Therefore be steadfast and immovable in the Lord always, knowing that your labor is not in vain. And I... I'm sure a lot can identify in here, have been like, why the heck do I keep praying about all this stuff and praying for all these different things and people and and not even just that, but things in myself that seven and a half years in aren't that different yet. And I just, you know, and that is actually just this week, I felt like the Lord was showing me that that's the sin of tempting Jesus and I prayed about this this afternoon in the prayer meeting, that in the book of Numbers, it says that when Israel was in the wilderness, they were like, you know, why did you bring us out here to die? You're giving us this worthless bread. And and that is what when Paul, and when I read in 1 Corinthians 10 earlier, that he said, let us not tempt Christ, where many of them were destroyed by the serpent, that let's not commit that sin of thinking, why did you bring me all this way? Why have I been working this hard and you're not doing anything? That's a sin. Don't do that. Don't do that to him. And say, why did you do this to me? James chapter 1, let no one say that God tempts him. He's not like, let's see what he does. Let's see what she does under pressure. Like he needs to find out. The testing is for us to find out. The testing's not for him to find out who's gold. The test is for you to find out if you're gold. And so guys, I think we're going to be in this for a bit longer. My gut tells me at least two more years, but I don't really know. And that doesn't mean that the exact practical situations that make the pressure what it is are going to last 24 more months. That's not what I'm saying here. But it, it just seems like a little bit longer in the fire is going to be a really good thing for the world. More fruit for our labor, which is unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. If you're going to build to try to get the sense of condemnation off of your back, or if you're going to build to try to see how big of a difference you make in this life, you're building in vanity. Just like the very first vision I ever had of Jesus. I think I've shared this at dwelling before. That I saw him walking and I couldn't see his face, but I knew it was him. And he was just walking in a field and there was a, a tall ant bed, maybe like a foot tall, a foot and a half tall. But I mean, what does that compare to like 35 foot Jesus walking in this field? And he just, he's just walking around and just steps on the ant bed and, and he turns around and goes, Oh, my bad, and keeps walking. And that, that's all the vision was. And just so like almost like sarcastic, it was like, oh my bad. And I see now that the ant hill is like the building that we think we're building, the ministry that we think we're building. And it's just a dirt hill. Like, that's what ants build. That they, they use dirt. It's not sustainable. I mean, it's really cool in nature, but that where he's going, what this is gonna become. That's like a little ant dirt hill in comparison to where Jesus is going. I don't want to stay in my little dirt house. Do you? I've been working really hard on my dirt house for a decade for him to just step on it one time and sarcastically say my bad. Let's just get the hard part out of the way and just walk with him. Okay. We're reaching the end here. Verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the Gospel. And so many people here, I'm sure, have preached from this passage and really made a plug for you better live in obedience. You better buckle down and get it right. And I think we would miss the point this evening if that's the mentality that we had. That sounds like building an anthill to me. Paul goes on to explain three things that equate to walking in worthy conduct. Very different things than I thought at first. I thought it meant well, don't drink, don't smoke, don't hook up. And sure, but there's some things that are way harder than that. That we're about to get into. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. These three things first, that you may stand fast in one spirit, two, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Notice there, it does not say faith in the Gospel. It says the faith of the Gospel. It's just really interesting to me. And thirdly, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them is a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. And so these are... like, it's like, Father, I want to walk, Revelation 3 5, I want to walk with you in white because you've made me worthy. I want to know just how I'm supposed to live with you. What do I think about? What do I talk about? And that this gives three bullet points of what it means to live worthy to stand fast in one spirit, being of one mind, striving together for the full faith of the gospel, and thirdly, having no fear of our enemies. And it's just pretty clear in the Scripture that we're going to have a really open and obvious season of external persecution. And I don't necessarily mean that they're going to burn our house down or whatever. I don't know. But... That that it's going to be like really commonplace for believers to be made fun of and rejected maybe everywhere. And that God so desires to reveal to us the perfect satisfaction of his loved love so that we won't be moved at all in that time. And that, you know, what is it that um that he says through zephaniah he will quiet you in his love that we won't have to respond with loud volume and delicate arguments i mean what did jesus do at the night of his like judgment like mean, they were like are you not going to defend yourself like and and even jesus to peter you don't think i could call down 70,000 angels right now this this is the plan. Anyways, and we are going to be silent before the shears sometimes. And some of you, He's going to bring you into a new, new place in being quiet in your secret place. Absolutely quiet. Not praying in the Spirit. However, I think that is very important right now. Or praying specific prayers or even listening to music and playing the Word out loud. He's going to have you sit there completely quiet because He's like, I have to... Sh- 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 you and my love, just like my squirmy six-week-old back there. She doesn't know what in the world I'm saying, but for some reason, she understands being on my chest and hearing shh, shh, sh- shh, shh, and bouncing unbelievably. My calves are going to be Iron Man after this. Just, It's going to be awesome. Um, but in the same way, that the Father's like you don't even really have to understand what I'm saying. I'm ju- I'm just trying to calm you in in my love. I just want you to get really comfortable here on my chest. Um, and that that's how we'll endure the persecution. And and I think that things like prayer meetings and extended fasting can really help. Be like gasoline on the fire for that, but he doesn't need any of that. He. He gave John that one night after dinner without John even realizing that he could just come up and lay on Jesus' chest and just be with Him. And they didn't even talk about it. It, it just happened. And that's going to be the state of His people when this is all over. Is going to be people that just lay on His chest. Um, anyways, so, the antidote, 1 John 4.18, the antidote to fear is perfect agape love. And... So if you, and you probably do, have a fear issue in your heart, in your life, in your situations, you already have the prescription. It's perfect love. And again, just as we think about the body of Christ in her wisdom and nobility and cleanliness, at the end you know that Jesus is like when I come back she's not going to have a spot wrinkle or blemish like it she's going to be the strongest she's ever been she's going to be the purest she's ever been when he comes back and that these three points of the being of the same spirit and and we in this ministry experience this a lot being in the same spirit like the how it seems like 15 people or more hear the same thing during music, like and the person gets up to speak and they're just like, yep, 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 heard it already. That's being in the same spirit. That's hearing what the Holy Spirit says to the church. So whenever we're in meetings and we see that happen, that's like, okay, that means that this is really, that's not just good for the moment and confirming for the message, that's really good evidence for where it's all going and the faith of the gospel i mean i i don't really even get what that means but i i just know it's not just faith in the gospel it's the faith that comes from the gospel and so guys get ready to start preaching the gospel more and get ready to start preaching the gospel to yourself um you know we're we're going to be and, and maybe even tonight is like this but in meetings where every person in the room is already a believer and someone is just going to preach the gospel. I don't know. I just think that's what he's going to do. I haven't unpacked how good it is yet. And even the word itself in Greek, it means too good to be true news. And and I, it's been pretty good in these seven and a half years, but, but there's so much more. And so I, I look forward to times of, of us not being like hey, that guy's out there yelling the plan to salvation, you know, but to be like so receiving of the goodness. Hosea three, five, in the last days all of the nations of the earth will come into Jerusalem, trembling at the goodness of the Lord. Psalm two eleven, rejoicing with trembling, like scary good joy. And anyways, future things. Let's get back to present things. And this is the conclusion and maybe the quickest I've ever shared in my whole life. Where was it? 29. For to you, you in that chair, or pew, I guess, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him but also to suffer for His sake having the same conflict which you saw in me and now hear is in me. And that word granted, speaking of the Gospel, that word granted there is the word charis, which is where we get Either the words grace or gift. But anytime you see that in the New Testament, grant grace or gift, it's the word charis. And even think about Ephesians 2 when it says that we're saved by charis through faith. And then that this, it says, this is what the charis has given to you. Not only that the faith for salvation, but, but that you would suffer for his sake. And even John's, like, James and John, I think, I can't even remember right now, but that Jesus is like, are you going to be baptized in the baptism of my suffering? Somehow there's an equation in the, the closeness to him and the suffering. I mean, literally one of his names in the Old Testament is the suffering servant. So if you're suffering and you feel yourself in some service in life, it appears you're right in step with the man that crushes anthills. And I think that in these prison days, we have been given the grace, yes, yes, to believe in Him unto salvation and to frequently experience Him, go deeper in Him, share Him with other people, but to suffer for His sake too. And you guys... Let's just think about eternity. And Glow and I have talked about this occasionally, and, and Michael and I did on Tuesday night. We, we just talked about eternity, just like, I don't know, not to make a habit out of it necessarily, I just blow it wearing light gray when I preach. That is just so silly, it, being the sweaty guy that I am. I'm up here like, oh, I've got the rings down here. Um, but that that it's like, we will all every one of us whether we naturally die or we live until Jesus comes back this is going to be over and we will live eternally in the the maximum ability like to sense and perceive feel think receive everything else just the maximum, eternity, unstoppable, never-ending, and somehow the little choices, the little moments, the little sentences in this life play into what that trillions of gazillions of millenniums will be. And will we spend it afraid? And will we spend it complaining? And will we spend it bitter? And will we spend it the saddest of all, not believing how extremely he loves us, how tender hearted and mushy and teary eyed he gets when he thinks about us. Song of Solomon chapter five Turn your eyes he says to you, Turn your eyes away from me, you've ravished my heart. With with one look of your eye, I just I broke when I looked at you. And I have that all the time now with my daughter. I just continually cry. Um, And then just one little smile with the gums, just like, aha, and it's like just gums. And it's the best. And it's like, oh my gosh. If I, oh my word, if I being the dry bones Gideon hiding in the barn man that I am, feel that way about my little bald spot baby, then like, then what could he think about you? Um, take him up on it. And so anyways, I think that not only this should be pretty good enough fuel to endure a little bit longer in the crock pot and in prison, but also as the deeper that we go into this inwardly, personally, even if it was for no one else, you would do that for me. That this is what we will be able to give to the world. And that's what's going to be fruitful labor. And that is why people, when all of this started, that they literally didn't care if you killed them. And like the Romans were like, What's wrong with these people? Wipe their head off, go to the next one. But guys, they went to dinner. Those Romans, they went to dinner, and they were like, "What is up with these people? Like, are they dumb? Like, they know we're gonna kill them. Like, they know if if they say out loud they believe in this, we're gonna kill them. And every day, there's more of them. Like, what's wrong with these people?" That's what this is going to be too. Is that what's wrong with these people? We're hooked. We're fish that are hooked, that are getting reeled in to what's real. May we see what's real about us and him and the world. Um, and so anyways, have confidence in the prison cell. Daniel got out. So did Joseph. Joseph. And Elijah came out of the cave pretty hot too. And you remember where the Jews went after they finished the wilderness? They're still there. So the wilderness works. The prison is productive. So have this mind in you, the hope of salvation.
0: Thank you, John Edward. Well, the overall point of John Edwards' message was clear, and from God. And he said so many things too that I think um, probably were personably, personal, personally meaningful to you. Great to have you with us tonight, Caroline. Um, we're going to close up the meeting. Um, <clears throat> Um, when we close in a minute, if you could do me a favor, please, if we could have a couple people help uncle Tim pack stuff up and, uh, and maybe a person or two, make sure the kid's stuff is packed up, but then everybody else, um, please continue to visit, but let's go outside. It's perfect weather for that. Um, go out of the parking lot or out front. Uncle Tim needs to get home to, uh, a sick aunt Debbie and uh i need to go be the mc for the west Jessman high school homecoming tonight um i've been battling a sickness for a couple weeks now almost and it's kind of hit a little bit harder today this thing won't go away i think i might be fighting a fever anyway but it will turn out for my deliverance (laughs) um we're going to do this again next week. I look forward to it. And uh, I pray you all have a good night. We're going to party at West Jessamine High School cafeteria. Be blessed. Have a good evening. Have a good week.